welcome to another episode of Beating Alpha. Uh, we have a very special guest on that I'm going to introduce you in a few minutes. But first of all, this is episode 77. So John, uh, you cannot see John, but John is, is lucky with the number. So 77 episodes uh, so far, and this one is very special. Uh, I've been talking with John previously behind the scenes. We had a short call, so kind of you know, talked about what he's currently working on, which is very impressive, as you're going to find out in a few minutes. But a little bit about John, his name, full name is John Azar. So he's a founder and managing partner of Peak 15 Capital, a capital advisor firm servicing commercial real estate operators and sponsors in identifying, sourcing and securing their capital stack. John is also an executive vice president and managing member of Mac Venture Partners, where he directs acquisitions, strategic development, capital management, and growth. He also oversees alternative financing and investor portfolio development and fund management. Uh, and I think we're going to include the rest of the bio uh, down below that you can go, guys, and check it out because it's very impressive. But if I'm going to read the entire thing, it's going to be a long, long introduction. But it's very impressive what this man has ha been accomplished. And for more information, you can always go to uh, www.peak15cap.com or you can connect uh, with Azar uh, personally. I, I guess you wouldn't mind me giving people your email, which is azar at peak15cap.com for uh, future you know, uh, investments and so forth. So again, it's a pleasure to be talking with you again, my man. Thanks. Thanks, man. I, I, wow, that, that, that was a handful. Yeah, please skip over, uh, you know, that any, that last part or any any parts. So I, I'm I, more more is less. More is less. You know, let's get down to business. Is, well, is better. Well, exactly. I mean, so like one of the things if we mention like uh, you've been, you know, you're you are a co-founder and managing partner of Boston Venture Partners, the BVP, uh, which is a private equity consulting and finance firm based in Boston. And you guys specialize in real estate development, uh, structuring finance. So, in the so you worked on portfolio, which is 1.8 billion, spanning from Boston to Miami to London. So, so th those are some of the things that I'm mentioning. But I'm not even close of the half of the bio that you just sent me. So the full is gonna, of course, is gonna be included in the link down below. You know, but it, yeah, that it's was amazing. that was back in the good. That was back in the good days. That was back in uh, pre pre first recession 2008. Pre 2008. Uh, yeah, we had uh, had a good run with that company. Got it. So let's talk about uh, the beginnings. You know, the journey into this. Uh, you know, entrepreneurship endeavors and all the different ventures and how did it start it for you? I kind of knew uh, know your background a little bit as we had this call before. But if you just tell the audience, how did you start it? all these different ventures and again, these amazing businesses, like where did your journey start? Uh, journey started, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, I think is, is inherently uh, probably was in me from, from the get go. Uh, my dad was uh, an entrepreneur. He was, uh, he was a lawyer by trade and he, then he, um, he left a very cushy government job uh, to, um, to start his own firm and, and, and expand and, um, uh, and, uh, eventually send his kids overseas to, to the U S to America, uh, which is where we were, we're Syrians initially as, and that's, we all immigrated from, from Syria to, to America back in, uh, in the eighties. And, uh, yeah, so I think it started probably there, kind of put the bug in all of us. Um, 
my uh, my my brother Tony was 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 probably the first entrepreneur in the family, and uh, my my sister is an entrepreneur. She's a she's a doc, doctor by trade, and she's a biotech entrepreneur. Started a couple of different companies. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it was only natural for me to, uh, to follow the footsteps, you know, as a, as an underperformer in the family. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I started out my career in investment and finance and then, um, mostly doing like equity, equity trading, wealth management, and then, uh, and then kind of dwelled into, I actually fell into commercial real estate, uh, to be honest with you, to some extent, um, well, I, we worked on me and my partners in that venture that you mentioned, Boston Venture Partners, uh, worked on a couple of projects uh, while we were uh, at Morgan Stanley and, and Royal Bank of Canada Capital Markets Group. And uh, those projects involved high level uh, funding, uh, debt funding. Mostly we worked on, on raising a, um, um, uh, a, a, a essentially a debt offering for a couple of very large developers. Uh, in different municipalities. And then as a, as a result of that, those guys came back to us and said, hey, you know, if you guys ever leave your, your big cushy firms, we'd love to work with you independently and, and help us structure pr uh, projects. So, you know, ding, 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 that kind of you know, gave us the idea. I was like, hey, uh, those guys work with us. Why, don't we, why, are we, why are we working with somebody else and making them a ton of money? Why don't we go out on our own and make, make ourselves a ton of money? And work with those uh, those developers nationally. So that's what we did. We you know we kind of uh, opened up shop, Boston uh, Venture Partners, and started working with large scale developers that were based in um, New York and, and Miami and, and Philadelphia and Boston, and uh, kind of worked on different projects. Anything from um, uh, anything from condo condo conversion projects to um, urban reuse projects, to um, you know, old Navy shipyard conversion projects, brownfield projects. I mean, it was, it's, it's a, a lot of, and then most of them were large scales. I mean, most of those projects ranged anywhere between 100 million to 800 million in size, 900 million in size. So it's, it's uh, and, uh, you know, the, it, it was a good run, like I said, between 2004 and 2008. And then in 2008, you know, we, um, you know, the, 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 the crap hit the fan and we had to, we lost everything. We lost our clients. We lost our deal base. We lost uh, our deal flow, everything. We just went dried up like a raisin overnight and we had to close shop and um, kind of reinvent ourselves mm -hmm. and uh, the journey, but, but the journey, obviously the journey continued, you know, in different ways. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I would, I just want to go back to the point where you said that kind of, you, you felt like you inherited the entrepreneurship spirit or the gene. So would you, would you consider that uh, that's the way it goes or somebody can become uh, a business owner if, if the, there is nobody in a family, you know, that had any business before? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, anybody could become a business owner and the entrepreneurship spirit is not, uh, is not, just uh germane to you know one type of one type of people or or you know it, it it knows no nationality no race no gender no ethnicity no religion it's it's uh anybody could have that entrepreneurial bug um and anybody can take advantage and you know and 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 move their, themselves forward all they need is the drive um and the willingness and the guts to do it and that's that's it and and, and the patience uh, sometimes you have to have patience. It's it. Entrepreneurship is a is a really a fine balance of, and it's an equation of 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 guts, patience, fortitude, 
um, wisdom uh, and um, and and balance. I mean, so it's it's if you have to you have to balance all these things out together, and and you get an entrepreneur uh, because entrepreneurship, you know, even even though a lot of people tell you like the biggest thing in entrepreneurship is 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 fortitude and guts and and daring and resilience, and yeah, those words are are right. Uh, you also have to have the wisdom and the balance to 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 make sure that you you have you can actually do all these things and still live somewhat of a of a life. I mean, you can you can you know the one thing I tell entrepreneurs you have to you have to know you have to know the wisdom to know how to how to breathe yourself if you become an entrepreneur because if you, if you can't breathe, it doesn't matter how much of a drive you have if if you if if you can't get any oxygen into your life. And, you know, take care of yourself, especially if you have a family, take care of your family, you know, it's entrepreneurship is not going to work for you. Um, and you're going to end up making decisions that are probably going to impact you negatively that in, in that way. So, so it's, so it's a fine balance for sure. Yeah. So how does someone acquire these traits? I mean, can you get those by reading a book or watching a video? Like, cause you're talking about wisdom. I mean, how many years or hours, like, how would we put it for somebody to like, Oh, you, you have wisdom now. Where, where do you, yeah, I'm not talking about wisdom. I'm just, yeah, I'm not necessarily wisdom. You gain over time. You don't have to have wisdom right away. I mean, you know, we, in, in fact, probably the less wisdom you have initially as an entrepreneur, the better, because you don't know what you don't know. And, 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 you know, sometimes when you don't know things, it's better for you to, to, you know, so you don't, so you don't second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, my, again, that first, going back to that first company, I, I told you about the first venture Boston venture partners. And I didn't know anything about commercial real estate at the time. And, um, you know, I kind of, I knew about finance and investments, but I didn't know anything about commercial real estate. And there was a time where I was sitting with my partners and in, in a couple of big offices in New York city, with, you know, across some very, very big developers. And we were looking at ourselves saying, what the heck are we doing here? We, you know, if those guys only knew how little we knew about commercial real estate, they would kick us out of this office in two seconds. So, you know, it's sometimes you just have to be stupid and just go for it. And even though, even though you don't know as as much as you, you know, just, just, just go for it. And, and kind of, as long as you know what you're doing and you're putting the right pieces in place, I'm not saying be stupid and just go for it. And, 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 and regardless whether you're going to fail or not, I mean, you you might fail. Yeah, you might fail, but it's okay. Uh, But as long as you have somewhat of a good plan, somewhat of a good idea of what you're doing, um, and, and you have an end in mind and, and, and first and foremost, act like, you know, what you're doing, <laughs> you know, because people, people gravitate towards, uh, towards that, that, that confidence that, that they see in you. And, and if you are not confident in yourself, nobody else is going to see that in you. Oh yeah, that's, that's for sure. So I would love to talk about, again, uh, times like these, you know, where there is a lot of uncertainty as we spoke before, you know, the COVID and like 2008, there was a lot of, a lot of uncertainty at that point as well. And again, you came to the point where you have to, you know, leave the business. So maybe you can talk about that time because I think a lot of people can relate to what you've been through to what a lot of people are going through right now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a, different, a different kind of recession back then, I think, than what we are facing now. Um, and uh, markets were different. I mean, commercial real estate was different. Real estate in general, there was a there was a lot more leverage back then um, uh, than there is now. Uh, the leverage now 
is, I think, very judicial compared to what it was back in 2008. 2008, there was just stupid leverage um, that people were, were doing both on the, on the, on the retail you know, investor side or, or just normal consumer side and both and, and as well as on the, on the corporate side. Um, so I think leverage is different this time around. Uh, there's a lot of cash on the sidelines that did not exist back in 2008. A ton of cash, a ton of capital on the sideline. Uh, and that, that is also also a lot more judicial in where it's going and how it's being dispensed. Uh, uh, so people are a lot more cautious this time around. They, they know what they're doing. There's, the knowledge base is, is, is much more there than there was back in 2008. I mean, if you just look at entrepreneurship in commercial real estate, you know, take, for instance, multifamily housing, and you know the amount of companies that were that are now in the market compared to what they were back in 2008 there were hardly it there was that was not a that was not a thing back there i mean to, to, you know being a multifamily sponsor and entrepreneur was not necessarily you know something that was a trend back there um that was seen as something that was done by bigger company people who just had a ton of money in and you know very well capitalized and and you know it wasn't as i mean there was a lot of people doing it obviously, and going through a different coaching program and doing it back then, but nowhere near how it is today. Um, and uh, so, so, that's, so that's very different. It's, it's, it's very different from back then to, to not right now. And um, you know, there, so there's a lot of people now that are coming into the business that have a ton of energy, a ton of knowledge, a ton of connections, and, and le they're leveraging of their best skills and, and, and showing the world that hey, it could be done. It could be done by starting out one piece at a time, one piece at a puzzle at a time and putting together your network one piece at a time and then doing a project or doing a, an acquisition and putting in the right team together. That's, that's, that, that's essential. And that's what's, big, that's what's making all these successful entrepreneurs and, and multifamily uh, successful. Mm -hmm. That's right. So talking about scaling business and again, leveraging again, uh, with the Mac Venture Partners, you've been, I mean, yourself and, and the brother as, as he's involved in the business, right? So, I mean, all of you guys, uh, you know, the entire theme, team scaled from 2,500 units to 6,000 and a half <laughs> units. I mean, what time frame are we talking about? I mean, and how people and, you know, smaller, maybe operators who are watching this episode, they're thinking, I have 170 units and it's it's very difficult for me to double that in, in a year. So like, how long did it take for you to accomplish that? And what uh, maybe, you know, roadblocks have you been facing? And I mean, what's the process behind, you know, scaling, like almost tripling your, your portfolio? Yeah, I mean, my, my brother started the business. He's the CEO of the company and he's, I give him a ton of credit for the, you know, a lot of our early success and a lot of our later success as well. So um, he's a fantastic businessman. He's uh, started out in uh, buying, you know, one, one multifamily asset. And then, um, you know, in, in our first acquisitions, you know, the first one, the second one, the third one, I mean, we had to rely on uh, sort of our small network of friends and family investors that we started sort of growing. And that's what a lot of the investors, that's what a lot of multifamily syndicators and sponsors should, should be able to do in, in their first couple of acquisitions that, you know, leverage the network that you have organically and get as much of you know out of out of that as, as possible i mean your investors are going to gravitate to you who know you best uh, and those who don't know you hopefully they'll know you or they get introduced to you by someone you trust and someone they trust also and that's that's really how we started growing our network of investors somebody you know that that we know somebody that my brother tony knows got introduced to someone else and they introduced us to somebody else and 
And we were able to collaborate together enough to buy an 80 some unit apartment complex. Uh, and then once we bought that one, the next one was slightly easier. You know, the next one was slightly easier than that, than, than the one before that. And then, you know, it, it, it took a few years to get to about, you know, a certain scale, what you mentioned about 2000, 2500 units or so. And then, and then we had to kind of retool. Actually, we had to retool even earlier than that. We had to retool around 1500 units or so. We went, we took uh, property management in-house. So we became vertically integrated. Um, we chose to do it at that point. Other, other sponsor syndicators can sometimes choose to do it at, at a different you know, inflection point in their evolution. Some people may choose to do it when they hit 500 units. It just depends what makes sense to you to take property management in-house. We chose to do it around, you know, 1,300, 1,200, 1,400 units. Um, and then the next inflection point for us was around that 2,000 unit frame. Um, and that's, that's when I sort of came into the, sort of being a more active part of the business and, and kind of expanded. We launched a new brand, uh, Mac Venture Partners got you know, kind of formed at the time and, and took over a previous brand that was there, which was Mac Properties. And, uh, and we continued to expand our, our, our model and, and our business and kind of take on different strategies. So we had to retool the business a couple of times since then. I mean, we retooled the business once to start taking on more sophisticated investors and, 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 and probably deal with more private equity money and more large family office money. And then, you know, we had to retool again once we hit 4,000, 5, 5,000 units to be able to deal with more institutional investors um, and, and all along you are, you are always kind of retooling and re-examining yourself because internally you have to retool yourself to be ready for your growth. Um, growth is not just, you know, external, it's internal also. So it's, you know, the, the way that companies grow, if they're not growing internally and they're only growing externally there, it's not going to, it's going to be a mismatch and they're going to at some point struggle a lot. So you have to, your growth have to be both internal and external. So just because you're ready to take on, just because you have the capacity, you know, the capacity or the, or not the capacity, actually the ability to uh, buy a lot more units, um, you may have access to a lot of capital and you may be able to say, Hey, I can buy 500 units in one shot. That's great. Maybe from a capital perspective, you can buy 500 units from at a time, but from a capacity perspective, can you absorb 500 units into your portfolio? Are you internally ready to, to, to take that on? And that's really have been some of the biggest lessons we had to learn um, at Mac Venture Partners is we have to kind of retool internally and be ready for, for growth and, 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 and reshape ourselves through the years. Hmm. Okay, so I would love for you to expand on a, on the fact that you said you have to kind of retool and regroup and you know make sure that you're ready for you know external scale from an inside perspective, which is again the teammates and putting the right people in place and you know maybe getting some extra people. So, can you talk about the hiring process? How do you put those people in place to make sure that you can you know execute of scaling business to that level? Um, it's, it's, again, it's, it's building the right team in, internally for, for yourself and knowing what, how, you know, the pieces of the puzzle to put together. The way that we did it is, is I started building relationships before we needed them, you know, whether it's institutional relationships or partnerships with, you know, law firms or third party, third party administrators, or, you know, all, all those people that you have to put all the team that you have to put together essentially through the years. Uh, I started building those relationships, especially with institutional investors and private equity investors. And I started asking, you know, you start asking the questions, Hey, what do you need to see from us in order for you to be comfortable with us? Maybe not now, maybe six months from now, maybe a year from now, you know, what, what do you need to see from a company like us 
you know, if I was to bring you a deal of this parameters and that demanded this much money, you know, beyond the money factor, what do you need to look for from a sponsor? So what do you need the sponsor to look like? And I started asking these questions all the time from a lot of the meetings. And I started having these meetings, you know, a lot, you know, with institutional investors when I didn't need them uh, because I wanted to build the relationships. I wanted to kind of build the, the, uh, the trust factor and, 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 and the, you know, in the contact before I even needed them, before I even have had a deal to, to, to bring to them, because I wanted to know what we needed to do that when we get a deal that I can go to them and say, Hey, look, you know, we have this mechanic, these mechanisms in place. Here's a deal. Here's what, you know, what you told me last, you know, last time we, we met or when we, we, we first met a year ago, a year and a half ago, you said you wanted this, 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 here's what I have right now. Here's the deal. And, and boom, you know, all of a sudden you're, you become a lot more valuable and your, you know, your, your credibility goes, you know, scales way up. Uh, so that's really what we, what we did through the years, um, on and on and off through the years. Awesome. So how much time and energy actually you're dedicating towards, uh, you know, Mac ventures, venture partners currently, because I know we have another, uh, venture that just came up, uh, well, pick, pick peak 15 capital that I would like to, you know, for you to expand and talk about what you guys are doing in that space. Cause it's very interesting, but like how much time do you still putting in into the Mac ventures at the moment? So, so we're not doing acquisitions actively necessarily. I mean, we still look at acquisitions. We just took a, we decided this, this in this pre COVID, even before even COVID hit, we saw the market was very frothy last year and we decided to kind of step back from our own acquisition. Doesn't mean that there are not, not any right acquisitions for people. Obviously acquisitions are still going on uh, just from our own standpoint, from our own portfolio and from the way that we underwrite and, and the way we are very, very conservative um, in the way that we underwrite and we look at numbers. Uh, we decided that we needed to kind of take a step back from the market and not do as many acquisitions. So that sort of step back from the market took place before COVID and it's continuing this year. And we're going to have to see what, you know, what we're going to have to do post COVID. I mean, we started even planning out a fund, you know, before COVID last year, a large fund and that we put on ice um, as we kind of approach and especially as COVID hit, we definitely decided to put that on ice. So, uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we still look, we still look at, at assets. We still look at acquisitions, uh, not as actively as we did before, but we still look and, and if something pencils in really, really well for us, but it's going to be a needle in a haystack, uh, we may go for it. But um, so, you know, so, I, you know, we still look at some, some projects, but just, just not as like we used to last year. Uh, especially, especially this year during COVID. And so we need to kind of see an exit out of COVID in the next, you know, 10 to 18 months to, to see where our strategy is going to be. And uh, luckily, you know, luckily for us, we can, we can, we can take, kind of afford to take a step back, um, take some chips off the table, maybe, you know, take care of some of the investors with some liquidity and, 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 you know, see what the, see what 2021 is going to bring. Um, I, you know, peak 15, as you mentioned, I started, about a year ago or so, a little over a year ago. Um, and I, so I started, ironically, I started the company again, pre-COVID. Uh, we saw, um, you know, I, I saw a disconnect in the marketplace for uh, sponsors who are seeking capital, uh, you know, and, and the way that the capital providers have been approaching sort of the, the business with sponsors. You know, a lot, of, I noticed a lot of capital providers are not necessarily aligned in a, from a knowledge base with sponsors. A lot of placement you know, capital placement companies, they know a lot about investments and, and they've, a lot of them have come from, 
Wall Street side, but they don't know enough about multifamily or commercial real estate. So there's a lot of times there's sometimes a disconnect and it has to be like, you know, some, some, um, some gap filling when I, when I use a capital placement company myself as a sponsor and have to explain, you know, this is how we underwrite. This is why we underwrite this. This is why, you know, we do this. So there's a, you know, I noticed there was a, a slight misalignment in knowledge. And that's what I wanted to, to kind of gap for with Peak 15 Capital is me as a sponsor, putting myself on the side of the sponsors, creating a company by sponsors for sponsors uh, to find them capital and, and into, into their deals. And then the capital I find for sponsors is really just institutional and private equity capitals. I'm, you know, I, I, my intent is, is when someone engages me, when a sponsor or syndicator engages Peak 15 Capital, that I bring to the table one check and one check only to take care of their, their capital needs. Okay. I got it. So where do you want to be with a peak 15? Cause you, I mean, you just started not long ago. So what, what is the plan for you to be like, let's say in the next couple of years? Uh, the, the plan is for us is to be a premier capital provider for, for the, for commercial real estate in general, not just a multifamily. I mean, we've worked on projects that are in hospitality. We worked on industrial project. We are, we do a lot of, we have clients now that are doing a lot of developments, ground up development, um, as well as stabilized assets. I mean, obviously our bread and butter is, is, is stabilized assets. That's most, most knowledge that we can bring to the table when, when there's a stabilized asset acquisition, but, uh, but we, we can certainly work with, uh, also developers, we are developing ground up developments um, and syndicators who are buying brand new development or brand new construction uh, to provide them capital for that. So, so yeah, the goal is, is to be a, you know, a, a premier recognized name in, 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 the, in the capital advisory platform uh, for, uh, for, for syndicators and for commercial real estate operators. And in the next couple of years, so that when they think that they need, you know, any kind of capital that they need large scale capital um, institutional level or private equity capital that they think of be, 15 as a, a peak 15 capital as a premier name in the, in the industry. Got it. So what are you guys currently doing to, to make sure that you're going to get to that level? I mean, you know, cause currently, by, by the way, it sounds that you're kind of doing word of mouth, you know, recommendations for now, probably as working with these, you know, construction companies, but do you use any marketing approach to make sure uh, that, you know, you're reaching more people at the same time also? We, I mean, we, we're, we're building it one, one brick at a time. So it's, it's uh, yeah, you're right. It's right now. It's a, it's, it's a lot of word of mouth. Um, my involvement and my history in as a sponsor myself in the sponsor community, uh, in the syndication community is, is luckily for me, thank God has been, has been very beneficial. And I've, I know a lot of people that, that know me and know the work I've done and, and, and know, you know, where I, you know, where I've been and where I'm headed and uh, hopefully will give us a shot at, at, at their business if they're raising capital for their project. So, so yeah, you know, we're, we, you know, that's one part of it. Obviously we have to employ other things to continue to grow. We, we have to proactively market ourselves. Uh, I mean, and you know, these days we're using anything from social media exposure to, uh, to putting out a lot of knowledge base information out there, value add information. We are launching a podcast in the next couple of months as well um, that will be um, that that will be a, not necessarily just for peak 15 it will be an independent podcast but but hopefully you'll offer enough knowledge base and value add to, uh, to people that will that will that will be another sort of funnel for peak 15 capital as well as mac venture partners and um so so yeah i mean i, I my approach to growing any business has been you know go out there and provide value and show value first 
and then hopefully business will come later. And, and, you know, the, and, and that's how I approach even relationships. I mean, you know, people that I'm connected with, where there are, you know, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring and, and, um, so, you know, even from, from that standpoint is that, Hey, just, just put out enough information and value and take care of people around you. And, and hopefully those people at some point, the karma will come back to you in a, in a good way. Mm, love it. Again, talking about giving back, uh, I seen it that you're on your bio that you're a board, on a board of directors on several nonprofit, uh, organizations at the moment. So maybe you can talk about why is this, uh, why is it so important for you to give back to the people also? Uh, well, listen, I mean, it's, it's giving back is, is it, it's, it's our way of hopefully dedicating it's giving back sometimes could be not necessarily just with money. Giving back is, uh, could be time. with time, could be yeah. with effort. Uh, time is really our biggest commodity right now. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just money. Uh, I'm not a rich guy, so I can't really strike a big checks to, to organizations, but I, I would love to dedicate more time. Uh, to them and give them some of my time, which is valuable to me. And hopefully that, you know, it, hopefully the time and knowledge is valuable to them as well. So um, it's, it's, if you can afford to give time and if you can afford to give energy, if you can afford to share knowledge, uh, that is really the biggest, biggest gift that you can give to some organization, especially in terms of, you know, uh, nonprofit organizations who are relying on uh, the generosity of people people's time and people's knowledge to, to, for them to grow. Obviously they would love money also, but um, if, if you, if you can't afford money some people look at being involved in nonprofit organization as well, I don't have enough money to write big checks. Well, you don't have to write sometimes big checks as long as you're kind of putting in the effort yourself for, you know, or the time, um, you know, doing things like small things like volunteering um, is, is, is huge for, for some of those small nonprofit organizations. Um, and it's rewarding. I mean, it's, it's hopefully when you do it enough times, you, you will get some rewards out of it yourself and feel like you're giving something back. And, um, which, which goes back to, I don't know, it's very, very basic human trait for me is if, you know, giving back is in a, in, in a way is makes us all hopefully feel better. Mm. Oh, that, that's it for sure. You know, cause we, we are here put in place for whatever reason, but you know, one of those reasons is definitely to give back in, you know, some shape or form, as you said, you know, the money, the time, you know, just doing the small stuff, you know, most of the time it, it goes a long way also. So, you know, I would love for people to get in contact with you because again, you're providing a lot of great valuable information first and foremost. And again, I, I love what you guys are doing with the, you know, peak 15 capital also, which uh, for that reason, I think people who are watching in, if you're involved into multifamily construction, you know, some sort of a real estate, you know, company, and you're looking for, you know, uh, for a man just like John, you should get in contact with him. But what will be those main social media platforms that you guys are using currently so people can get in contact with you? Yeah, we, I mean, we're using Instagram, um, in a big way. Um, so I, you can find us on Instagram, peak 15 capital. You can find me on Instagram is JJ Azar. Um, uh, LinkedIn is, is a big platform for us. We use LinkedIn a lot. So peak 15 is on, on LinkedIn, Mac venture partners on LinkedIn. And, and I myself, um, is on LinkedIn as well. I, I my full name is Jalal John Azar. So yeah, you can find me there. You can find me under John Azar. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned in the beginning, you can always, always email me. It's, you know, the best email for me is azar at peak15, peak15cap.com. 
Got it, got it, got it. So it's, it's, it's been a great, great time. I mean, talking with you for a second time. I know it's kind of, you know, quick interview, but I would love for people to reach out to you and kind of discuss some of the things, you know, more in personal because those things take a little bit of time to, to explain. And we just have so much time available in the show. But it, it's been awesome. I mean, you, you have your hands full with what you're doing on currently. And again, with Peak 15, I think you're going to have help a lot of real estate, you know, investors at the same time. But, you know, I wish you to accomplish all the goals that you have set up for this year, because I know we have uh, some big projects coming up also. So I'm sure that's going to happen. And again, guys, just make sure that you contact with John and go check the website. Of course, all the links are going to be down below for you to go and, and check. And John, really appreciate the time spending, uh, you know, here with us uh, today on the show. And guys, as, as always, I'm going to see you in the next episode. Thanks for watching. Of course. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you having me.